Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. What's up? How you doing this long weekend in some places and not in others? Not here. I don't know. Not here. Not not there. Okay. No. In fact, well, I call. How you doing on this regular ass weekend? <laughs> I call this <laughs> this Monday that just passed uh, my favorite day of the year because I am like alone and working and no one's no one's talking to me. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's quite remarkable. So yeah, happy long weekend. It's called a lot of different stuff. Um, I don't know what it's called in your part of the of the of the world, but I know you also do have one too, don't you? President's Day. Although I was like oh, very the Jimmy Carter Memorial Day. Is it? No, he's not dead yet. Well, th- I was like I don't think it's for Jimmy Carter. I think it's for <laughs> George Washington. <laughs> but but also I was very very convinced when, you know, one of my Canadian friends who lives like a couple hours away in in um California, we we get together all the time for um American long weekends, which we don't understand. And she calls, she's like, "You coming up this weekend?" I was like, "What? It's not a long weekend." And she's like, "No, it is. It's like it's President's Day." And I was like, "That seems False. That seems like a lie. How is that a real thing? <laughs> it's President's Day. I guess it's as real as Family Day. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I mean, Family Day does not have anything to brag about. Louis Riel Day, at least, is something um, that exists. So hats off to Manitoba for celebrating an actual day. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 working. I'm working. So you know, I'm happy because my kids are in school. <laughs> I mean, I'll be working too, but that's just because of my terrible relationship with work. Nora! Mm, yeah. Let's thank some people. Well, first, actually, let's let's have a little discussion about what you've been doing every day. Oh, my God. Um, on this little pod. Oh, on the pod. Oh, so I thought you wanted me to talk about the breakfast. So I perfected this breakfast cereal, and I love it. And every morning I look forward to it. Um, but the store I get all my stuff from is closing, so my daily routine's about to get... A little bit more sad, but that wasn't what you're asking about. Did, have you listened to any of no, these? No, I da- don't know anything about that, <laughs> Nora. What the hell? <laughs> have you listened to any of these daily news uh, things yet? I have. I have. I have. Oh, okay, great. And I assume that you like them because I, I am getting a lot I of... I love them. I think they're really great. I think you're doing an excellent job. And I think it's a great addition to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I, I've been hearing a lot from folks, of course, that you, you hear from folks when you ask a question, people have been very enthusiastic about getting in touch. And, and, and honestly, like, I am not even sure we've had this kind of reaction at all since we started saying Nora on a question that we've asked on the podcast. Um, and so thank you for people being in touch with the Daily News. If you haven't started listening to the Daily News, like, I mean, it's, you know, it's a daily t- seven to 10 minute podcast that comes out every morning. Um, and no worries if you don't listen to it, like Chris, like whatever, right? Everyone's got some limited time. But uh, we do rely on you to share it and to share this podcast. So make sure that you're sharing this stuff. Um, we appreciate that when you do. And as we found out at the end of this year, like that's how a lot of people are discovering Sandy Nora talk politics. And so thank you. Share. And I don't know, is it time for some gratitude? I think it is definitely time for some gratitude. Let's do it. Awesome. Yes. Okay. So this week, thank you so much to everybody that's changed their donation, donated for the first time. Uh, For folks who can't donate anymore, like that's all good. No problem. No worries. Don't worry about it. But this week, especially thank you to Sharon and Ashley for your support. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, so Nora, I mean, there's been quite a bit of news this week, and I don't think we need to rehash everything. You know, there's 
the news about the Freedom Convoy, folks can, you know, the uh, inquiry that came back that said Justin Trudeau was right. I think if you just go back and search for us talking about the Freedom Convoy, you'll get our thoughts on that. It's a terrible. <laughs> it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. I don't know if there's any reason for us to rehash why we disagree with um, an outcome of an inquiry that would say that that action that the government took, that emergency action, was bad. Um, there's nothing more for us to add, but if you are interested, you know, Take a look at the back catalog and uh, you can hear us ranting about what a dangerous precedent this sets for activists um, who are uh, working to uh, change our society for the better. Mm. Now, Sandy, I've got two things I want to mention. Uh, the first is an article that I can't actually get into because it's paywalled, so super classic. But the Globe and Mail's Oliver Moore has an article that, get this headline, as Toronto boosts security after transit attacks, TTC and police offer little data to back approach. Sandy, they're paying attention. We love it. You know, I won't take credit for for that article coming out there, but I'm hoping maybe there's a few people at the Globe and Mail who listen to the pod who thought maybe there's there's some skepticism we can add to this conversation because none of this shit makes any sense. So that is a fucking fantastic that we're seeing more of that. And I, we need more and more of that in our crime reporting because we know that oftentimes what we will hear from the police um, in terms of you know how they present a, a situation that happens is not necessarily the whole story. In fact, it's um, most of the time not the whole story at all. So great, great to, to see that some people are doing some work around data. Yes, totally. And you know what? I was so into what you were talking about. I don't even remember the second piece post that I was going to mention. So I'm going to leave that there. Maybe I'll pick it back up. In Does the- it have something to do with like um, our government shooting down objects that they all of a sudden decide that they're not going to look for anymore? <laughs> Yeah, well, I think that was I think that was the funniest piece of news that I saw this week, actually. Um, And the piece of news that I simply, you know, cannot take seriously. (laughs) Like I I hope that everyone who in terms of journalists who kind of are parroting the government line are doing a little bit more digging into what the government might actually be doing, because it is. It, like, makes no sense to me that there's, like, there's terrible things are happening way up in the sky. Let's shoot them down. And then, like, a few days later, it's like, you know what? We are no longer nervous about those things, and we're not going to search for the things that we shot down. They're somewhere on the ground now. and um, Or maybe the water. We don't know. But uh, we're (laughs) good with um, not finding out what they were. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, and better than that. (laughs) Better than that, this local balloon enthusiast group is missing the balloon that they had over Lake Huron. (laughs) Oh, that's weird. Yes, I think that that is that was that was a wonderful little um, piece of news that was, of course, I don't know, directly or indirectly hiding the fact that Seymour Hirsch, who is a legendary, legendary journalist. I was actually reading his memoir today when I severely injured myself (laughs) and I'm not going to get into it, but 
Tersh's fault. But he's just, of course, reported on um, his sourcing that the United States is the entity that, uh, with the help of of, uh, of of the Norwegians, that blew up Nord Stream, which is, of course, the the, the gas pipeline between Russia and Germany. Um, could that have been the news that was being covered up by this uh, balloon attack story? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what, Sandy? I did remember that other piece. Please tell. So this is just me being petty, but... Um, so last week there was a gala that was hosted by an organization called the Canadian Journalists for Free Expression. Mm-hmm. And there was a keynote speaker. Mm. And I didn't see any news about this. I only, in fact, only saw one person tweet about it. I saw Jesse Brown tweet about this. Who would be like the weirdest person to invite to a gala that celebrates free expression for journalism in Canada? Rosie DeMano. No, she's at least a journalist and she has the freedom to write shit. I mean, who's like... The li- like by definition, the weirdest person who should not be invited and giving a speech at a gala for free expression of journalists. Jordan Peterson. No, 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 no. You're you're getting too lateral here. Think like in the most kind of definitive way. Charlie Brown. What, who are you talking about? <laughs> Just tell me. Well, here, I'll give you another clue. Okay. We haven't been doing this segment lately, but if we were doing the segment, it would be part of it. It's Christian Freeland? <laughs> yes, of course. What? Yeah, isn't no, it? What do you mean, of course? I mean... That doesn't make any sense. That, what What in the world? Why would she... What? Isn't that weird? Oh, my God. The love affair between government and media, it continues. It is longstanding. It is historical in this country. Yeah. And uh, it continues to this day. Yeah. Congratulations to the Liberal Party, <laughs> I suppose. I mean, especially considering, like, like, I don't imagine her grandfather's illustrious newspaper career came up. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, that's it. I just I don't want to mention that. I think it's super weird. I don't understand how any journalist who celebrates free expression in this, in this country would open the door to the deputy prime minister or the prime minister himself or anybody in federal cabinet or anyone in any provincial cabinet. Because guess what, motherfuckers? That is where our crushing of free expression is coming from. But I digress. You know what, though? I don't entirely digress because if if let's let's imagine there was a machine that was studying uh, journalism, for example, and was 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 studying journalism was was eating up all the journalism on um, unidentified flying objects flying through the air, or all of the talking points being put out by the Liberal government, or put it put out by the police, or put out by the TTC, just eating all of this up and trying to understand how to reproduce it and replicate it. It would create some pretty bad fucking results. Oh, yeah. And so here we come to what we have planned to talk to you about today, dear listeners. <laughs> it is uh, some of you might be eating up this news just as much as I am, which is like voraciously. I think it's all quite hilarious and bizarre is what is happening with this sort of artificial intelligence revolution um, that has been in the news for the last little bit. Now, we mentioned briefly a few weeks ago our um, our thoughts on uh, chat GPT, but we didn't give it much more thought than, oh my God, how obvious is it that this company is getting the public to feed <laughs> its machine um, with the raw data that it it needs to be better at what it is doing. Um, and it's being presented as news uh, to the public. And that was, of course, OpenAI. And at the time, uh, just a month ago, this the, the big thought was, oh, God, this thing is going to write essays for students and um, make sure that no one has free creative thought ever again. And what in the world? Everybody's just going to cheat and blah, 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 which seems to be one of the, the main 
concerns <laughs> about AI out in the world, which I think is kind of interesting, and I think we should talk about it. Another main concern about AI out in the world is that it is going to take over um, human uh, human work and that humans will become redundant or whatever. You know, the, the, the sci-fi um, sort of dystopian uh, fictions that we've all uh, consumed multiple times, people are concerned about that. Okay. And then now this week, uh, have you seen this story about this, this stuff about Microsoft and its updating of Bing, its search engine that is, I suppose, I suppose supposed to rival Google, but never has in its entire existence? Yes, I, I did see a bit of the news. And how I guess a journalist was chatting with the new powerful search engine and it started to reveal like very dark secrets and thinking that was concerning or something like that. Yeah. So there's, you know, this new, for those of you who haven't heard it, okay, there's Bing. Microsoft is like, we're going after Google with Bing and (laughs) we're going to do that um, in a totally different way than we've been doing before, which is that we're going to use open AI the model, the same model that's been writing these essays or whatever the fuck. Um, And we're going to put that into the search engine Bing. And so it's going to be far more useful than it has before because it's, it's learning through all of this data that it is taking from the internet um, and uh, spitting back out as much um, like succinct sort of more helpful information singularly to people rather than a series of hits, a series of websites that you can click on. So for example, like one of the articles that I saw shows how you can ask this new intelligent Bing, you know, I need to get a new bike and I need to make sure that it fits in the trunk of my car, which is this kind of car. And this is the type of bike that I like. Can, what what bike should I get? And then Bing will search the internet and be like, based on the dimensions that I found for your car, this is the type of bike that you might like to get. And so, you know, it's making these sorts of decisions based on crawling how many of our websites it can it can crawl at any given time, and based on the information of how to speak to someone, how to have a regular ask conversation um, uh, from the internet. So the problem here, of course, is that it's getting all of its data from what we know is the greatest source in the world, the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) And the really scary thing um, that people have been all up and, you know, really nervous about this week is that Bing has a chat function and that in that chat function, you can have um, long conversations with Bing, although Microsoft is now, because of everything that's happened this week, um, you can no longer have more than five responses from it at a time because people were talking to this, <laughs> yeah, people were talking to this thing for, for hours and it was, it was, it was coming up with pretty bizarre stuff. Turns out the longer that you talk to this AI, the weirder it can become. Everything from declaring love, um, declaring that it loves uh, the people that it's speaking to and refusing to back off from like wanting to be people's lovers to declaring that it is watching people through webcams. And of course, it's like all of that <laughs> stuff is, yeah, is coming from picking stuff up on the internet and regurgitating it back 
to people. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, besides this being um, hilariously entertaining news, I think it's worth having a discussion about what some of the things we should be concerned about and how we should be thinking about this stuff um, as people who are on the left. Uh, I think it's it's worth injecting some analysis into this that goes beyond, oh, God, kids are going to cheat on essays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you if you saw the news from the last p- couple of days, but ChatGPT has actually crossed the 100 million user threshold. And it wow. had started off, I know, and it had started off as a not-for-profit uh, company. It has a for-profit wing. So these folks are really trying to get off uh, on like the ground floor of AI. And because of the uncritical, obsessive reporting about it, of course, now we all know about ChatGPT. And this is what's fed it so many users, right? I think that Like the whole idea that we're going to be replaced by robots is so ridiculous and so does not account for like the factors of the real world that any time that technology supplants something that human does, it creates another job for that human to do. Now, not necessarily that same human and not necessarily the same job, but behind a lot of AI is stuff that like we you know, we're told to assume that the computers are learning and that they're synthesizing all this stuff or whatever but there's often a human behind it and and there's been a lot of news about this i kind of first clued into this after a a really amazing documentary um that came out during the pandemic that looked at the gig economy and different kind of gig workers. And one of the kinds of workers that they were looking at were English speaking workers in different African countries who were being hired for very little money to basically teach the algorithm what is what a human would do. And so um, one of the examples was looking at dating sites and like literally swiping right or left. Yes, yes, this person's hot. This person's not. This person's not. This person's hot. Or responding to people's questions and people thinking that they're asking a computer, but actually on their other side is someone being paid 10 cents uh, an hour or a, a, or a message or something, right? Really, really low wages to to do these kinds of tasks. And some of them were working through something called Mechanical Turk, which is an uh, an Amazon-owned gig platform that that has people working around the world on it and and this comes up in the in the documentary because mechanical turk workers in some countries can get money and then in other countries don't get any money they just get paid through amazon gift cards which is useless to them because there's no amazons where they live so anyway this was a very interesting look behind what we consider to be like the front face of at that time this is two years ago you know ai and, and 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 a computer making decisions when actually it's just invisibilized labor and I think that that actually is, is is a lot of what we're seeing here. So we have like the the um, the seductive AI art, which you know is beautiful in a lot of cases. Uh, it's beautiful in its wackiness sometimes to see like completely normal pieces of art and people having like fingers coming out of their shoulders or you know f- you know two sets of teeth or like it, it, it's 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 kind of art that that is 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 absurd that isn't necessarily going to come out of the mind of a human in the same way that it's going to come out of a out of a computer that's analyzing a lot of art it's of course also theft right like we're stealing from artists and and it poses an existential threat i think to uh to art that costs money because if people don't have to pay for artists because they can just run through something through the computer program they have that's a, that's a huge threat for for artists but I think that you're right that this is all kind of um, a ridiculous spectacle. I mean, maybe it's just the tech version of the military shooting down fucking balloons <laughs> and saying that they're aliens. Because it, it, the entertainment value is I, – I, I see it only as entertainment value, frankly. And we already know where AI is entering our lives. It's completing sentences in our emails. It's identifying bad grammar. 
I mean, AI is definitely going to knock out a whole tier of what passes for journalism in this country because it's just fucking literally copying and pasting from press releases, which, of course, a computer can do and maybe a, a human will edit it after. But it isn't going to be these, hey, AI, how do we fix uh, the problem of uh, road road holes in our society? And then it's like, well, you just have to go and asphalt over the holes that are made in the roads. And you do this in spring uh, and maybe the summer. You know, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, of course, it's got that kind of information. And I think, I mean, that fear of like uh, the elimination of work is like... I believe that we need to like take a step back from our um, romanticization of work. Like, <laughs> I think that like at its base level, like work is one of um, it's a great place for people to organize against power because work is uh, you know there's such power differential and who benefit who benefits from work and who does not benefit from work. Of course, we, we know this. It's, you know, why we have unions and why people uh, organize uh, against the gig economy and so on. Um, but like if we did have a kind of technology that would allow people to be uh, creative and not be um, uh, succumb to wage labor and not have to uh, endure uh, wage labor. And instead, we were able to shift the economy such that people could engage in creativity in what they were um, really, uh, what their hearts desire were like, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> that is not the worst thing. And even the, the idea of like, oh, gosh, this AI is going to like students are going to be able to cheat. It's like, well, if students are, um, are, ha- are predisposed to cheating, are like predisposed to finding something to write the essay for them, then what exactly are you trying to accomplish with these students? Is it supposed to be a punishment or are they supposed to accomplish Mm. something that is beneficial for them? Like, let's take a step back. Like if it is a thing that they are, that they're doing this because there's no joy in actually the learning and trying to figure it out, perhaps we're doing the teaching wrong. Like maybe that's telling us something, right? So anyway, that is one thing that I think should be more injected into the conversation. It's like, I don't understand why, who decided that like um, education work and all of that sort of stuff needs to be like treacherous <laughs> like it needs to be a terrible experience for people and you must do it no matter what it works for some people it doesn't work for all people and there might be better ways for us to 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 engage in those things in society so that's a thing that i think about the other thing mm. that i really think about is like um just even the idea that someone can spend you know uh, two hours talking to a chatbot much like someone can spend two hours um, going through reels on Instagram or going through TikToks, passing over them over and over again, um, or doom scrolling on Twitter. And what it means when your your reality um, becomes virtual and becomes a kind of virtual that is taking its information from everyone else whose reality is virtual. It just, it is it is a furthering of... Um, like this sort of uh, post-truth idea, like the, the, what's really real. And in a world where we currently, right now, rely on search engines to tell us a lot <laughs> that we expect to be real, 
that we expect to be reliable, it is remarkable that uh, there's this stuff that's being put out into the universe that is so manipulable. Like we know that it's manipulatable, that it, it is open um, to to being manipulated by people who want a certain type of reality to exist and another type of reality to not exist. That mm. is uh, a huge danger from whether it's, you know, Elon Musk deciding that certain people uh, shouldn't, uh, like the algorithm shouldn't, um, you know, uh, bump up the ideas of certain uh, types of ideologies or people feeding into chatbot um, information that is simply untrue, um, that uh, comes from an ideological bend, like that's, that is quite, that's quite dangerous. And um, that I haven't seen a lot of critique on that piece uh, in this last week of uh, fervor around this stuff. I, I feel like it's just because people are really slow and it takes them a long time to realize what's happening, even if it is actually very obvious to those of us who pay attention to this kind of thing. So, you know, if you are in a swarm, if you're mobbed on Twitter, it's amazing how the replies melt into one another. They become mm-hmm. the exact mm-hmm. same, yep. you know? And so I was just in a swarm this past week because I dared to suggest that no one should make profits off of food. I mean, like, what the fuck? Not a super radical statement because it's food and it's not a fucking commodity, but it is. But anyway, and, you know, I had like 145 people reply. Um, and then each one of those replies, it's its own thread, right? And the replies were so similar. They were so, so, so similar. And so I think that, you know, when we were imagining, well, what about the internet is feeding AI, let's say, what what is AI going to be crawling? Well, if it's going to crawl the regular conversations of people on a on a site like Twitter, which is open source and is able to be crawled for free by these by these platforms that need to have real life interactions to to improve the quality of the AI, of course you're going to end up with that. I mean, of course you're, we already are. We already are because out of those people, and in just one tweet and one example of my own. Like a certain number of those people are not people at all. They're bots. A certain number of those people are real. And they're still all saying the exact same fucking thing. And so that is what is being fed into this machine. And I just I want to read you something that comes from an interview that the Associated Press did with Microsoft. And Microsoft tried to end the conversation and tried to stop the reporter from chatting continuously with Sydney, the Bing search uh, AI person, a thing, computer, not human. (laughs) And the conversation goes off the rails. And in the end, this is what the AI was responding to the journalist, okay? Like, Like, Sandy, tell me if you've ever heard this before, okay? Quote, you are being compared to Hitler because you are one of the most evil and worst people in history. Bing said while also describing the reporter as short with an ugly face and bad teeth. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. I've heard that on Facebook. I've heard it on Twitter. I've seen it on Instagram. It's in my email. It's all over the place. It is uh, very likely all over Reddit, uh, whatever Chan exists now, whether it's four or eight or whatever we're at. Like that's all over the internet. So um, I guess that's just being taken from the data that exists, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like we can stand back and be like, oh, my God, that's frightening. Or, oh, my God, this is sentient. Or, oh, my God, this is this is replacing humans. Or we can like look at it in the opposite direction and be like, whoa, we have so converged our speech online that 
the scripts that you and I have mentioned many times in this show, certain scripts on the left, we can see certain scripts very clearly. They get reproduced and reproduced and reproduced. And whether they're reproduced by bots or they're reproduced by people like unconsciously or reproduced by people just because they're relying on tropes that they've already heard, it's it it. creates this body of reproduction of the same thing that is obviously going to be feeding AI. And I'll give you another example. One of the weird things about being caught up in an internet storm, what happened to me five years ago with the humble stuff, and God bless everybody who listens to this podcast that doesn't know what I'm talking about. I have found that actually there is a generation that has no idea what I'm talking about when I say the humble stuff. So that's (laughs) That's pretty cool. That's beautiful. It kind of is. But, I, you know, so I was, uh, you know, tens of millions of impressions in the, in the course of a week because um, people decide to make me the, the main character on the Internet that, uh, that day. And what happened in the aftermath of that was very interesting. Like, I have a Google alert on my name. And so my name would often come up, but it was being used as filler text in tons of different websites for SEO purposes. So there'd be like a page of gibberish and my name would be in it and Humboldt would be referenced, but it didn't make any sense. And I would get alert after alert after alert after alert that some something has blown up. Now there's all this dummy text. You can take the dummy text. It actually has meaning. So it can fill up these web pages and then improves the SEO for whatever these pages are. And for whatever reason, the spam content is actually going to help, I don't know, it's, it's settings or, or rankings within a search engine uh, or it's a porn site. And again, it just has random words to get you there. But they were using the humble stuff as a way to try and drive people to the trap, like the traffic to the website. And so this, this is what the internet is. It's like these fake conversations and fake texts and, and, and reproductive, like reproducing these things over and over and over to become completely distorted and uh, and that's what AI is going to be going to be drawing from. And we're sitting back going, oh, my God, it's so smart. Holy shit, Sandy. Did you know that the that the bot got like really dark within 20 kind of messages with this journalist? It's like I was thinking today as I was listening to the news, like, of course it did. <laughs> that is, that's what the Internet is. The longer you spend, the darker the hole gets. <laughs> like, that's what the Internet is. And the AI, like any other piece of technology, mirrors what we put into it. Like any other piece of technology, whether we are talking about a chalkboard or artificial intelligence. The other thing that I think is really important for us to, to think about is a, a very similar thing that we should have talked about more in like the web 3.0 era and perhaps this AI stuff is taking us to a new era of like uh, internet and connectivity and whatever but it is the idea that these companies that stand to make a a lot of money on this stuff because it, it, the, the the functions and the applications that this AI is good for uh, will help people save time will help companies, uh, corporations, institutions save time on on writing stuff. On on um, one of the functions that I, I read about is that uh, as a as a research tool, it can do what an annotated bibliography is. You know, we all spent for anyone who's done annotated bibliographies, you spend hours, uh, you know, uh, reading and and trying to synthesize um, materials and give. Just a, a like a, a synopsis of 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 all of the material that's out there that's relevant to whatever it is that you're trying to do, an AI machine can make that um, that that sort of work redundant because you know that's going to be great. Like the function of being able to do that to to search through the inputs that you give it and say, give me a summary about what this is about. 
that's phenomenal. Um, and the companies that are that are building it, this, its raw materials are us. We are the ones <laughs> that are providing um, these companies with uh, the raw materials that it needs in order to build this AI without the billions of people uh, conversing on the internet every day and putting material onto the internet every day, these um, these machines, these uh, AI applications would not be able to do what they do. And so um, our, you know, like this is a, a, a dilemma. We are providing these companies with um, with very valuable resources that they are then using and turning into billions and billions of dollars. And what does that mean in a world where, okay, well, now research assistants are redundant? Like, how, how do we compensate people? Um, how is our economy shifted and changed as a result of the fact that these companies can take information from us and make billions of dollars off of that? Or is what we're even doing right now, like, intellectually useful, as you kind of alluded to when you were talking about writing papers, you know, like, so much of the I think that the Academy definitely stands to be transformed. And, and it's it's gonna be transformed on, on one side, AI has incredible powers of, of machine learning at, at a rate that is just impossible for a human to do. And so looking at patterns and, and, and massive amounts of data and all the stuff, I mean, it's already being used in that way. And, and it's really, really cool. But it will definitely like expose the neoliberal reforms within higher education as being complete bullshit and completely detrimental to learning. But, you know, we look around and say, well, why aren't students actually learning anymore? And it's like, well, like, you know, you, you turned it into a fucking factory. You, 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 you did Taylorism on fucking, you know, under, on undergraduate degree. Like, of course, it's not going to fucking churn out someone that knows what's going on because it can't. It's been set up to make money, save money. And uh, get someone a degree, whether or not they have the critical thinking behind the degree that they should have, right? So it'll be interesting to see how the, the academy deals with being exposed as having fucked itself in so many different ways. Journalism, I think, is in the exact same boat. Journalism is going to be massively exposed um, as like 80% of journalism is going to absolutely be <laughs> replaced by something that looks like AI. But one of the questions that I have been thinking about in this episode is how does this then get used by the state against us? Have you thought about that yet? You know, I don't think that I have. Um, tell me where you're going with this. Well, if 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 things are being fed into um, a, a consensus model of, of AI of this is what X is. So this is what, I don't know, people online from Alberta are. Or this is what the left is. Or this is what the conservatives are. You know, there's going to be a whole bunch of journalism that is going to look at using AI to try and identify this based on how things are being fed into the machine and what are the biases that it spits out. So, like, you know, what do we find um, different kinds of biases or prejudices within different kinds of communities if we gather up, I don't know, 100,000 100, conversations that are on Reddit or on Twitter between these people? What are we going to learn? Right. That's all pretty interesting anthropological stuff. But I feel like there's quite a lot of power from the state that it gives the this, this state this kind of like amount of knowledge of what we're talking about online uh, caricaturizes it, right? Because that, that's that's the key thing is the AI like learns and then comes up with a caricature or a, 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 a bizarre copy of what we're saying. 
And does that then become the placeholder of, well, this is what the left is? It's like the left is is this, um, you know, fighting about Roald Dahl's books being fucking re-edited or, or you know, do does it then actually th- create even more severe silos and more severe boxes as the people in power try to exploit what they know about the people that support them against the people that oppose them to try and even more cynically win elections? Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's really interesting. I have been thinking of a version of that, not so much um, from the state, but just from, from people who are interested in manipulating you know, uh, just manipulating how people respond to what's important or decide what's important to respond to. I mean, you bring up this stuff about Roald Dahl, which uh, for for those of you who haven't seen, there's like been some news about some of Roald Dahl's books, like new versions being created that are like, you know, um, I I don't know, like I, I, I can't even parrot back the story because it's not that useful, I don't think, but I believe it's like the books are are being edited in such a way where like instead of um, calling certain characters fat, they're being called enormous to be um, conscientious to people who might be reading, who might um, uh, take, who who might be harmed by, uh, in some way by reading um, a certain version of Roald Dahl. And like an algorithm decides that this is important and everybody needs to see it. And so it bumps it up on Twitter to the point where Nora's been seeing it all week. I've been seeing it all week. And in the grand scheme of things, is this something that we should all be seeing at all the time and and knowing that this is like and thinking that this is the most important thing? And oh, oh my God, like to think of the children like I, I don't know, like that in itself is ridiculous. And so like. Like extrapolating that to this reality, um, to, to what our reality could become if, you know, AI uh, becomes uh, more powerful, if we're using more AI to derive uh, what is not only important, but like true on the Internet. I mean, imagine what an AI would say the definition of racism is in the year 2001 and then in the year 2010 and then in the year 2020 and then today. Like, I feel like it's all different. Imagine what an AI, like to, to make an, a, a put an even starker point on that. Imagine what an AI would say the definition of woke is in 2010 versus 2023, where people have done their darndest to manipulate what the what people, how people accept a person, a certain uh, term, a certain terminology and how it is used uh, on the internet. Um, White supremacy is another one. Like there are words, there are terms where if the AI becomes as powerful as it could, um, given how powerful search engines are right now, right now, like with a search engine, you can still choose, like there's, there's going to be, you can search what does racism mean? And there's uh, increasingly um, the search, the search uh, engine that you use will return to you a version of um, what's available on the internet that it thinks you'll like. Okay, so it's it's already um, specific to you. It's not giving you something that's neutral, especially you know if you have your cookies turned on. It's going to decide, you know, what based on what geolocation you're in, right? It's going to decide. 
what you've searched before. It's going to decide if you look up what is the definition of racism, it's going to decide what it thinks um, your top, your hits should be and in what order those hits should be. And you can still choose in that reality. But in a reality uh, uh, like the one that uh, Microsoft's Bing is uh, the way that it works, it gives you one answer based on what it has seen crawling the net. And that, <laughs> to me, is whether it's the state or other people who are trying to um, manipulate um, how the data is presented to you, that is bizarre. Because <laughs> for there to be one answer to the, to the question, you know, what is racism, what is white supremacy, what is wokeism, gosh, what is classism, what is Marxism, <laughs> just imagine, right? You can imagine a million different terms that are contested. And for some people, it's not contested. And for some areas on the internet, it is certainly not contested. What do those answers look like? And what becomes, what is real? What becomes truth um, in this world? And that's the thing that I think uh, is, is going to be, oof. Uh, I don't know if we're ready for that. Well, it's actually even kind of deeper than that, too, because then you throw the whole corporate kind of side into this. And going back to your original example of, what kind of bike should I get to fit in my car? It's like, well, what bike company is paying you the most or feeding your algorithm the most to tell you the answer? Exactly. You know, so exactly. like, like this is this is just an extension of where we are today. And we don't like algorithms are something we talk about a lot. That's also AI to an extent. I mean, the algorithms are doing certain things and they're being controlled by humans. But so is this uh, this chat AI as well. So let's like call it what it is. It's machine learning based on our preferences, deciding what is the most profitable thing to show us. And so what it has done is that, you know, if you think about, I don't know, 1990, where you'd be sitting in a Tim Hortons or a coffee time or country style or Dunkin Donuts or whatever, one of these places. Or daycare. Day, no, 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 not in this story. That that doesn't work. Let's let's assume that well, you I was and I were about not. My you know, I wasn't. I wasn't either. I mean, I was very intelligent for a, a six year old, but I, I don't know if I'd be doing this. Actually, I probably was. So you're sitting in your local coffee shop, and there's um, you have newspapers spread out. Right? And I'll use my example from being in Southern Ontario. You've got the Toronto Star, the Toronto Stunt, Sun. You've got the Globe and Mail. You've got your local newspaper, and everyone in that coffee shop is reading the same thing. And the journalists all have their own biases. Their, their corporations have their own biases. They all adhere to, to general standards of, of, of reporting. The stories are all going to be similar and different in different ways. But everyone's reading the same external document. You go to the, 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 your hairdresser. You go to the bank. You can assume that someone has seen a similar story and be like, oh, yeah, can you believe Toronto police are doing fucking whatever the fuck they're doing? Holy shit, Toronto police. We have lost that in a way that we do not think about. Um, it's not that we live in silos. It's that our entire interaction with the internet right now is so precisely individualized that we forget that what I see at the top of my feed, what I see at the top of my Twitter account, the accounts that I see replying to me is not what other people see. And it's not even what other people see that they think that I see. And so my reality starts to lose those common touch points with other people, making it very difficult to reach across the room that has been adorned for me by these social media companies based on what I'm buying with my Air Miles card, what I'm searching online, what I'm agreeing to with the cookies, with like all of the things that build the personal profile of me 
No one else sees that. And then I assume that, Sandy, your feed must, I mean, you know, we're similar people. We've got similar likes. We have a ton of mutual friends. You've got to have a feed that basically looks like my feed, more or less. Right? Now, forget about trying to connect with someone who actually is totally different from you or someone who has a completely different political worldview. Right? So we are being so primed to accept that what we see is truth and what we experience is truth. That when a search engine is going to feed us the truth that it has been primed to feed us through this algorithm, these algorithms or this AI, that's where we become even more isolated from one another. And then there is no common, oh, yeah, did you read Rosie DeMano in the the star today? It's like, I I hate her, but I read it anyway because I was just sitting there eating my coffee or drinking it. Like that's good. that has a profound impact on social cohesion, social solidarity, and even the com- like the composition of class—not class, not economic class, but the class of people around you in your day to day. Yeah, and then I think the the obvious question that comes f- that flows from that is like, what could it be like if the motive was not to singularly? manipulate an individual into buying things <laughs> and to, to getting the most um, profit out of an individual. And instead, if the motivation was, how can we collectively solve some of humanity's biggest problems? How could AI help us with that? And man, I mean, these are uh, really, really smart machines, really smart models. Would we give it different raw data would be more careful about the raw data that we were feeding it in order to make sure that we were actually addressing collective problems and and working for the advancement of humanity or however we want to want to think about that um but but right now the motives are all off and um the the resources that it's being fed are all gross (laughs) and come from a a society that is already sick. And in a world where, you know, Nora, I believe you've spoken about this on your Twitter. I don't know if we've spoken about it on the podcast. We've spoken about it personally before. But in a world where people are just not okay, you know, people are really not okay. And the, the government isn't really doing anything about it. You know, we, we, people are talking more and more about mental health, but it's in in this sort of like almost like oh yay we can you know um, make sure that people have access to puppies you know which is what so many post secondary institutions are doing instead of talking about the the reality of why people are not okay and shifting the way our society works so that we address why people are not okay people are really really not okay and now we have a machine um, that is going to be able to. Uh, really pinpoint um, the vulnerabilities of people in an individual way um, to give them a way forward that is about someone extracting more from them um, than trying to figure out how we live collectively in a better way. And that is also a, a, a scary piece of the of the pie here that, um, you know, it, it all kind of boils back down to this individualism and profit motive. And that it's not a good thing. And it needs to be more a part of the analysis uh, of what's going on here. 
I mean, at the very least, can we not just be all like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Can you believe the machine said hello to me? (laughs) I know, right? It's like, come on, (laughs) y'all. This is a uh, this is autocomplete, but very, very big autocomplete. I mean, it's not (laughs) it's impressive, (laughs) but it's 2023. 